0: and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Mary-Kate Saliva with you here on Veteran Voices. Welcome to today's show. Mary-Kate, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Scott. It's so great to see you again.
0: You as well. Uh, You and your uh, fellow military service members and your panelists and and V2I uh, volunteer leaders, Created quite a stir when you joined us for the live stream several months back. So it's great to have you here kind of on the other side of the table as a special co-host. So thanks for your time here today.
1: Absolutely. I'm super excited. Thank you.
0: Well, even more important than you being a co-host, I appreciate how you facilitated this podcast discussion where we've got a couple of academic leaders that are part of a highly innovative trailblazing initiative that they really created. Uh, so so stand by for what's going to be an intriguing and informative conversation. Mary-Kate, thanks for making that happen.
1: Absolutely. I'm super excited to hear from both of our guests today.
0: We are too. So, hey, quick programming note before we get started. This program is part of our Supply Chain Now family of programming. You can find Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. And, of course, we conduct it in partnership with our great friends over at Vets2Industry. You might have I uh, said V2I earlier. We all love our acronyms. But Vets2Industry is a nonprofit doing big things for the veteran community. And you can learn more at Vets2Industry.org. Okay. Mary-Kate, we're ready to introduce our two special guests?
1: Yes. Take it away, Scott. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Let's do it. All right. So we have with us today, I want to bring in our two featured guests, Dr. Karen. Hannell, Chair of the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies at St. Leo University. Karen, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. It's great to be here.
0: You as well. We've been doing our homework. i really looking forward to you sharing some aspects of your journey, and of course, it's big news here. And with Dr. Hannell, we have her colleague, Dr. Luke McLeese, Director of Military Affairs and Services and co-creator of the Veteran Studies major at St. Leo University. Hey, hey, Luke, how you doing?
3: I'm Scott, thanks for having us so much. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're excited. Uh, as Mary-Kate said, we're super excited. Uh, that means even this, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that is a world record-breaking level of excitement here at Veteran Voices, and really appreciate the initiative we're gonna be talking about here momentarily. But hey, before we get there, let's get to know our panel a little better. Uh, including Mary-Kate and Karen and Luke. And Karen, I will start with you. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, including, of course, where you're from.
2: Well, I'm actually not from very many places. I mean, not one place. My dad was a minister, so I moved around all over, mostly the South. But I've been living here uh, in Date City, which is just north of the campus, the main campus here in St. Leo, uh, for the last five years or so. Um, so i am been at an instructor for 27 years. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but it's been great. And the last 15 have been here at St. Leo. Uh, so as you said, I'm the chair of the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies. Let me see. A few other things. My area of expertise is uh, the sort of nexus of conflict and creativity.
0: The nexus of conflict and creativity.
2: Yeah. So I'm always interested in looking at literature and art and that sort of thing that's produced during uh, times of war.
0: Wow, man, we, we could have a whole podcast series on, on so. <laughs> some of your specialties there, couldn't we, Mary Kate? One quick follow up question: So, twenty seven years in in the academic industry and and you know mentoring, powering, encouraging, uplifting, of course, informing and educating. What's been your favorite part? One one if you had to pick one, what's been your favorite part about your time uh, instructing and teaching and being a professor?
2: When I get to work with other folks, whether it's students you know, helping them figure out what they want to do with their life, if they're traditional students, or if they come to us as non-traditional students, maybe they've, you know, maybe they've served in the military and then they're coming back to school, helping them figure out what they want to do with all these skills that they've accumulated, working with my fellow faculty members to create innovative programs and interesting classes. I just like working with creative people that are excited to do what, you know, what they're doing.
3: Love
0: it. Love it. Probably a different, something different every single day, uh, working with a wide variety of, of folks but that seems like to me you're learning from them maybe as often as as they're learning from you, perhaps.
1: I think that's such a great way, Scott, um, great answer, especially for someone starting up the veteran studies major, because what in the what is it, one of the biggest things they say veterans miss is the camaraderie. So that aspect of really reaching back and helping those coming behind us, but that sense of like, we are that, that second family. So really people, it's all about helping people.
0: Well said, uh, Mary Kate. And, and I bet you've got, before we switch over to Luke, uh, I can only imagine it being the daughter of a minister, some stories that you've got there.
1: <laughs> I, know, uh, I was cause... thinking the same thing, Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll save that for the the, the second podcast, but uh, thanks so much for your time here today, Dr. Hannell. Okay, so your colleague, Dr. McLeese, Luke McLeese. Uh, Luke, tell us about yourself.
3: Yes, sir. So like Karen, I moved around a lot at a young age. Uh, I was born in the Midwest, but kind of moved north east and then further down south. I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, the finest fighting force on the face of the earth, I believe. And no, it's not, I believe it's a fact. Um, Although well, you force
1: an army on the call too here. Watch out, watch out.
3: <laughs> uh, After that, I got my education, went into secondary education where I taught world languages, and then into higher education where I taught how to teach world languages and a veteran studies program that had just been created at Eastern Kentucky University. And now my current role is the director of military affairs and services here at St. Leo University.
0: Love it. And and I'll tell you, not only all of that role at St. Leo, but creating and innovating the educational space in the, you know, veterans industry, so to speak. So more on that in just a second, but Luke, I got to ask you of of all the places, uh, sounds like you've got something in common with Karen, you you know, y'all lived in a bunch of different places. What was one of your favorite places that you lived during your, your upbringing?
3: Uh, Without a doubt was Richmond, Virginia. My mother was a history teacher and just the proximity to, you know, I and growing up, I was kind of obsessed when she would read to me stories about the Revolutionary War. So being able to go to Jamestown and Yorktown, but then also all the Civil War sites, you know, going out west to, to Monticello, it just, it, it was, it was huge. It was a part of my life that I reflect on often.
0: Love that. And I bet it, it that reflects in. In what you do today, I bet. Uh, we're all students of history, whether you like it or not. And I, and I agree with you. I, I think, you know, studying those, the older conflicts and wars and the various leadership lessons learned, including mistakes. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. So, but Luke, thanks so much for your time here today. Looking forward to diving deeper into your journey. Uh, and one final, you know, Mary-Kate, you know, some folks may not have caught your earlier appearance here in Veteran Voices on the live stream and the replay. Uh, in a nutshell, tell us about yourself.
1: Yes. So thanks, Scott. I'm Mary-Kate Saliva and I'm actually active duty U.S. Army. I'm transitioning off of active duty right now. So I'm having that lived experience of what it means to transition. Mm -hmm. I am a Navy brat, even though I'm now Army. Uh, So my dad was uh, in the Navy. And so I did like uh, Karen and uh, Luke could just end up traveling and living in different states. But ironically, actually for U.S. time, today's liberation in Guam and Guam is where my family hails from. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, but I'm not, I'm actually going to stay East coast and I'm really fortunate that I'm starting school, a doctor criminal justice program at St. Leo university coming up. So my tie-in with Karen and Luke, um, so I'm really grateful to be on this panel with them today, or I should say, co-hosting with you.
0: Yes, that's right, co-host. <laughs> I'm on the You've other added side new the new merit team. badges, Mary Kate.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm on the and see, oh, you know, I have to say, go Army! Come on, Luke.
0: Well, I'll tell you, we we were uh, had such a great time uh, with you last time, and, and very thankful you could join us as a co-host and, and help create and facilitate this conversation today. So, with that said. Mary Kate, where are we going next as part of our conversation today?
1: Well, I definitely want to ask Luke if he could give us a brief overview of his time, military experience in the U.S. Marine Corps. It makes me almost want to say yet, but I know your yet is probably a lot stronger than mine.
3: <laughs> we won't do that. <laughs> <to> the microphone. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I started out, I was an East Coast Marine. So I was recruited actually out of Western Kentucky. So I, I ended up going to Paris Island. And, you know, as you might imagine, that was a lovely experience that you just want to do over and over again.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh,
3: but it might So like you, Mary-Kate, uh, I'm actually the son of a sailor. Right. So my father was a much, much, much older gentleman. He fought in the tail end of World War II. And so it was so much so whenever we would be traveling around those places of Virginia that I mentioned, people would see us at the gas station and say, oh, you're on a road trip with your grandkids. That's excellent. My dad would be, no, those are my children. (laughs) So much to his dismay and much to my mother's dismay, and this is partly their fault because they purchased me the GI Joes that fed this. You know, after high school, I was like, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. That went over like a lead balloon in the household. Um, Yeah. (laughs) My mother cried for about two weeks straight. And my Mm -hmm. father was like, no, you know, you're not going to, in his words, you're not going to be a sea going bellhop. That's what he said. (laughs) So long story short. So back to Paris Island. After Paris Island, I was, I was really stuck on one job. And that was an infantry job. Because that's what I always, I was like, if you're going to be in the Marines, and it's going to stink, and it's going to be a hard life, you might as well just do it all the way. So, I went to the School of Infantry after Paris Island, and I became, a, a, my MOS was a 0341, so I became a mortarman. I was on the mortar line. Uh, it, it was attractive to me because you did all the grunt, dirty work, but there was some mathematics involved and some quick thinking involved, so I liked that aspect. I was on the gun line for about a year and a half um, when I was approached to. Kind of do our tryouts to be a Ford observer. So I went uh, to try out to be a Ford observer, and so after this, uh, I made the tryout. I was a Ford observer for the rest of my time in the Marine Corps. So Marine Corps
0: got to be a pretty dangerous role in the Marines.
3: It's a crazy dangerous role (laughs) because one thing is, you know, we we're so small and the budget is so poor that, for example, like I was supposed, it was supposed to be myself and a radio man. The whole time I was a Ford Observer, I never had a radio man. So, you know, I was on the front lines, calling the fire, calling my own fire, making the adjustments. And it's really, it's really interesting because I know the Air Force, the Army, they've got, you know, specific jobs. Well, even though my, my MOS was for mortars, I would call for 81s. I would call for 60 millimeter mortars, but I also called close air support. I also called for artillery fire, and I also called for naval gunfire.
1: You didn't tell your mom how dangerous this is, did you?
3: No. No. (laughs) <laughs> no. You know, once though, she, she asked me, she asked me if I, if I liked what I did. And, uh, you know, normally my answer was like, no, this is a hard life. What did I do? Why'd you let me do this? Right. But, you know, I had to tell her when it came to the job specifically, the aspect that I enjoyed, I enjoyed coordinated fire missions where mortars, close air support, artillery was involved. Um, because I really, I really felt then more like a conductor. Right. I always thought of myself as like a symphony conductor. Because like I had, <laughs> I had certain times I could bring certain things into the battlefield, right? And different explosions and and call for different uh, flybys and get a different results. And it all had to be timed out perfectly. And I felt like it was more of a dance that way. So mm. I, I don't think I ever. I always imagined in my head, like I was in a tux with tails. (laughs)
0: Well, you know, that's got to make, uh, and first off, I really appreciate your service and, and, and and the nature of it. Uh, for sure. I was a lowly day analyst in air force, but (laughs) it's gotta, um, you know, Luke, i tell you, it's gotta make after doing that and, and, and making those calls, you know, on the radio, it's gotta make every other phone call ever since for the rest of your life. Pretty boring to some degree, Luke. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause you don't, you and can't now. really see the impact right there. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but regardless, you know, as we talked about pre-show, it's, t- it's tough to do what you, you know give justice in, in a short amount of time. We'll have to have you back and dive deeper into your, your time serving in the Marines. But I uh, really appreciate you sharing that today and how you're acting on your experiences, which we're going to touch about, uh, touch on in just a minute. Um, now before I go back to Karen, we talked more about her uh, academic journey. I understand, Luke, that you and Mary Kate that you uh, are really good at mentoring, and you take it very seriously. So, um, Mary Kate, why don't you? Maybe I'll start with you. What as being a beneficiary of Luke's mentorship? Why is that important?
1: Oh, it's it's so important, and I definitely wouldn't. I don't know where I would be right now, in my transition from active duty without the mentorship that I've. I've gained. I really had a lot of doubts whether I'd even get into a doctoral program, and I'm so glad that you mentioned vets to industry because when I first started my transition last fall, I it was in the midst of the pandemic. I felt really isolated. My guys were getting ready to deploy, so I was kind of I left out. I felt it left out on my own to figure sort of figure it out. This next step of redefining my purpose, uh, surviving without the army, um, that sort of thing, and so. Uh, reaching out and then finding out that St. Leo had this incredible program that was designed for working professionals. It it fit, it hit every one of the boxes that I was looking for in a doctoral program. Um, And the fact that I applied and and got in, I actually got to speak with Dr. McLeese with Luke before um, before I even found out I got accepted, which was incredible how easily accessible to have that kind of a relationship and to build that with a professor before you even start at the school, especially for who um, look like who you represent as um, for, for representing the Office for Military Affairs and me being someone that's in service right now to easily reach you through LinkedIn, send mm-hmm. you a message, you immediately responded. We set up a call and you just made me feel completely at ease that I was making the right decision with going with St. Leo University. And I guess I sort of sound like an infomercial that go to St. Leo, but it's like, but it was really, it was really something that was great for me because at the beginning of my transition, I actually had a retired Naval officer tell me it was a big waste of time to pursue my doctorate. And I've had other people tell me that it was going to be, I was going to make myself overqualified, that it was a waste of time. And, And I'm also enlisted. So they're like, what, what is an enlisted person? need a doctorate for what are you going to use that for um and so i had so many um these different voices telling me that it was the wrong thing to do when everything in me was telling me it was the right path for me so having um met luke and for him to really help reinst ignite that fire and say yes you Mm. can do this it it really has helped put me on this path and i'm so so excited that i went for it and i'm now enrolled and i'm I'm excited to get started
0: that gosh oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Karen and Luke, if I could have an a plenty emoticons, I think they're called, you'd have a huge heart filling up the screen here, Mary Kay. I love that. I love when I I don't know about y'all, but I love when when someone identifies that passion and despite all the naysayers, they find someone that, that supports that passion and now you're in the program pursuing that passion. So Luke, that's gotta make you feel pretty good.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I tell you what, here's here's the thing is I, I talk to a lot of people, especially after a big that's the industry event right so when i pop on there i get a lot of people who want to connect afterwards and i'm happy to speak to everyone however you know mary kate says like i owe this it. that's that's total hogwash because when she reached out to me her enthusiasm and and her like just even through the linkedin message she was like i'm going to get out in 6 months time here's what i'm doing you know here's what i plan to do i was like oh well <laughs> I mean, she she's she's got to figure out that's who you want to, to help most of all, because, you know, you're doing the right steps, being proactive. And it's one of those things that when I talk to people like Mary Kay and I talk to literally thousands in this position, it's like what she was doing is what I would tell someone else to do, you know, to, mm. to make the transition go right. So it, it was so really folks, easy if you're listening.
1: It, you bring up well, a great point because it's it's about freedom of choice and and I'm and I still have some folks have actually said, Mary Kate, you still have that active duty mindset. I'm like waiting for my noncommissioned officer, or my commander, to like tell me which way to go. But it's like we really mm-hmm. do have that freedom of choice, and sometimes it takes that one mentor, that one person, to believe that you're capable to to tell you yes, you can do it. Um, when so many other people are telling you you're making a big mistake, you should just reenlist, you should just stay in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it definitely was a huge, huge help to hear that I could do Love it.
0: it. All right. So folks, if you're keeping up count at home, hey, don't listen to the naysayers, number one. Number two, find a good mentor. Uh, number three, sometimes get a second and maybe even a third opinion. And and certainly number four, chase your passions, whatever That's they right. are. So, okay. So Karen, uh, Dr. Handel, you, you, you were nodding your head a lot as through this last segment here. But first, before we talk more, you know, maybe get your take on the power of mentorship, I definitely want to dive in a little deeper to your, to your academic journey. So um, 27 years uh, in the industry, so to speak, in the field, I think 15 years at St. Leo. Is that right? What, but what, um, what was a, the, uh, your impetus for becoming a professor and, and, and then later a PhD? Did you have, What inspired you? Earlier on in your, in your, in your life?
2: You know, I, I don't know that there was any other place for me. My, my dad was a minister, but he loved poetry. So when I was growing up, uh, he, <laughs> he hated children's movies and children's books. And so he taught me to read using William Blake. So, you know, tiger, tiger, wow. black, right. In the force of the night, you know, the poetry runs strong in this family. So there was him and my mother was a geology, um, geography teacher. And um, they were Civil War, you know, just historian nuts. They loved going to the battlefields and they would drag me and my brother. And they made it so much fun that it wasn't dragging us. Mm. You know, they encouraged us to feel enthusiastic. And I always remember my dad telling me, that the root word of enthusiasm is entheos. That means moved by God, right? And so when you see like Mary Kate's enthusiasm, you wanna be around that. I mean, it sets our souls on fire too, right? To be around these folks that have this big dream. So, you know, they made it fun to go to these places. And I remember one uh, place we went to Andersonville. If you've never been, it's worth going. It was hot summertime. And my brother and I were able to scrabble down into some of the holes, you know, that the the POWs had dug and it was so hot. And then they had the spring that was right in the prison there. And we were able to drink from it too. And it was so cold. And even as a child, it just, you know, this vision of what it must've been like to, to be there. Mm -hmm. it, It was in my mind. And Other places, one of the, I didn't go to this one, but my dad was telling me about it. He had seen a gravestone that a father had erected for his son who had died in the civil war. And he had his name there. And he said, buried with the tears of his father. And I thought, wow, that's just the best poetry I've ever heard. And it's on a gravestone. And it's just by people. You know, it's not by William Shakespeare and all of this. It's by actual people having lived experiences. and so. It just kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall. You know, I was going to, I didn't know it at the time, but I had a lot of really great professors. My dad, of course, uh, was always there to sort of encouraging me to go on this path. He was a Navy man, by the way. How weird is that?
0: <laughs> How about that?
2: <laughs> I know we've got that all in common, right? Uh, my husband uh, is a 21 year veteran of Marine Corps. so. Uh, wow. Okay. And, yeah. So we've got it all, a lot as a lot of American families do. We've got a lot of people that serve
0: kindred spirits for sure. Well, and, and clearly, I don't know about you, Luke and Mary Kate, but tons of passion at, at just in the in the last few minutes uh, to, hear, to hear from from Karen. So it was certainly a calling. Uh, and 27 years later, I mean, it, it sounds like you're you're loving it as if it was your first year.
2: Oh yeah, it gets better. That's the thing. It always just gets better.
0: Mm so okay so I am such the interview professional not exactly I stole Mary Kate's question it just dawned on me but Mary Kate the second half of that question we want to we want to know more about St. Leo University right
1: yes absolutely and I'm I was so excited that's why Scott when you said who who should we invite and I said I already know exactly who I want to invite <laughs> That's <true. laughs> and this that is, is true
0: why. and and Made it happen just like that. But you know, um, I know we're going to talk about this this exciting new program uh, for the bulk of the rest of our conversation. But but let's make sure folks know about Saint Leo. And and uh, Karen, do you want to you know fill folks a little more about what uh, what Saint Leo is?
2: Sure, sure. Um, we're a private Catholic university. Uh, we offer fifty seven, I believe, undergraduate and graduate level programs. Uh, we have about 18,000 students spread from our main campus and online and some of our centers. And uh, we're located roughly, it's easiest to think of us as located between Tampa and Orlando. We're still in a very rural area, our main campus. But
0: Okay. Down in Florida. We, did, we just spent some time down in um, the St. Augustine area with family.
3: Uh, just oh, a gorgeous
0: you know, talk yeah. about history. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Well, so before we get into the program, you know, Mary Kate, you're one of the newest students at uh, Saint Leo University. A- anything that you want to add, based you know, being, based on what Luke has shared, based on what Karen has shared, anything else you want to add before we talk more about the program, this trailblazing program itself?
1: Well, I definitely would say for those that are listening in that our veterans are veterans or currently serving, to look at your opportunities for school. That is one of the greatest benefits of of serving as well, um, besides serving this great country is the fact that you get your schooling covered. And so I am actually using my post 911 11 GI Bill And there's also something called the Yellow Ribbon Program as well to look into utilizing your tuition assistance. But make sure you go to your educational center, your educational office, speak with your command, and then find, once you get that information about your schooling, share it with your your troops, you know, your soldiers, airmen, Marines, just let them know about all these opportunities because I definitely wish I had started earlier. I have a huge gap now from my master's degree in public administration at University of Guam to now starting with St. Leo. Last time I was in school was 2013. And a big part of that is because I didn't even know that I was uh, able to pursue a doctorate um, coming from the enlisted side. It was something I saw officers pursuing. And I didn't know that I could use my post 9-11 for the GI Bill. Like, it looks like, like, I don't know. So so it was honestly like seeing Derek Moore. I'm giving him a shout out because I saw him on LinkedIn and that he's a senior leader in the Marine Corps and he's in his, in the doctoral program at St. Leo. And I, I hit him up on LinkedIn and I said, Hi, Derek. I'm Mary Kate. You don't know me, but could you tell me how you're in a doctoral program and you're in are active duty? And so he told me all these things and I was like, I had no idea. And so I I really felt, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So definitely find that out and share that information.
0: I love that. You know, I know we're banging a drum on mentorship and resources and 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 your network and all that stuff. But th- those are those are some proven ways of really filling in that blind spot you have, whether it's education or otherwise. So I yes. love that, Mary Kate. So for the second time, I want to move forward into this big news. Big yes. news. I'm so waiting. Saint Leo University became the first school in the nation to offer a bachelor's degree in veteran studies. So. Luke, I want to start with you here as we as we kind of dissect this news a bit. How how did y'all identify the need? Tell us about that.
3: So here's one thing. When you get the headline, you know, it's it's we started this major and Karen really she was she was genius to identify that St. Leo could hop in on this game, right? Because this is a field this is an established field it's a young field you know it started in 2011 at Eastern Kentucky University where, where I, my former institution there is a journal that is uh, you know solely for veteran studies uh, there's a conference series. however the handful of programs that exist have never gone past a minor or a certificate so it's like we've been a decade. And, you know, it's exciting to see these programs pop up, but they've kind of stayed there stagnant. And so the need really has arisen from from people doing this work already. You know, people were researching these intersections of the veteran identity and other aspects, health, education, sociology, anthropology, you know, these things were going on. But it really was, you know, at that time, that kind of Coming home from the first push of Iraq, time where where people were like, okay, this can be a standalone field. We need to know more about this population, right? right? It can't be it can't be the stereotype anymore of like the old white guy with this Korean War hat on, complaining about everything on the front porch, right? Like we have to have the the real picture of what a veteran is and their experience match. The reality. And so it really had evolved out of a, a true social necessity. And the fact that people were already doing this work, uh, just under other disciplines. And it really took a group of people saying, let's bring it all together.
0: Love it really. So formalizing all, everything that was going on, formalizing it, kind of creating an academic community around it, an opportunity, a credential, uh, and, and then some, so I love how you describe that. Let's talk about the planning process, uh, Karen. So so once that need was identified and, and you the team rallied around that, how did the planning process play out?
2: You know, it started really in 2017 and I started talking to my bosses about getting a Department of Interdisciplinary Studies together because there wasn't going to be a department that could handle some of the programs that we were envisioning. And they took a chance on it. I was really proud of them. It's the first new department that we'd had in College of Arts and Sciences in more than 20 years. You know, you ask for a new department and then they make you chair. it. <laughs> um, so well,
1: we're glad you took it. <laughs> you know, right. ask
2: and you shall receive. Um, but the first degree that we launched was medical humanities. And that one was a little easier because the degree, the, the field was a little older and people were familiar with it. We got veteran studies, started really working on that. And I guess I started working on that in 2018 beginning, but it was really the last two years. And part of the reason that it took a little bit more was that Luke and I and the eight other faculty members that were putting this together had to not only, you know, create the proposal and the curriculum and everything. We had to, in many ways, educate our colleagues around us as to what veteran studies is, you know, and, and that was, that took some time and I'm really grateful to St. Leo and and to our colleagues who had an open mind, you know, to be able to discuss works that maybe they had, you know, taught for years, decades even. And I'm saying, can we put a new mm. lens on this? And they said, yeah, let's try it. You know? So
0: I love that. And, and, you know, Luke, you're right. I think, I think veteran, and there's a handful of words like it where maybe there's some long held assumptions about, about what that is and what that means. And as you and Mary Kate and really Karen all have spoken to at various points so far is, is that definition continues to evolve and it really represents wide scale diversity and it's a beautiful thing. So I want to, uh, Karen, we're going to keep going with you as we talk about some of the core components, but before we do that, Mary Kate, when you think civilians hear the word veteran. I mean, do you think do you think that we still have work to do to to make sure that an accurate version of that definition comes to mind?
1: Absolutely, I, I think there's still. I even have some of my colleagues that don't even want to file a, for a disability claim because of the stigma that's surrounded. Where um, you say you're a veteran, you must automatically have PTSD, post traumatic stress, mm-hmm. and that you might come in and shoot everybody at work. It And that's not to say that everybody thinks that way, but there's still some connotation, um, negative connotations associated with, oh, you're a, a veteran, specifically a con, and they assume you're a combat veteran. Um, you must've been in Afghanistan. And, and what have you seen? What have you been exposed to? And so I do think, and even in the media, how media pop culture, I think those are important factors to take into of how they portray veterans. Right. Absolutely.
0: Good points. Great points. We got, we got a bunch, we got a whole lot more heavy lifting to do, which is, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this, this program first of its kind in the nation. So Karen, can you shed a little more light on, you know, what are some of the core components that make up this new first in the nation major?
2: Absolutely. Well, the first thing is everybody, should know, this is open for veterans and non-veterans alike. Uh, so you don't have to have served to get this degree. Uh, Folks that come to this degree, you know, maybe they're in ROTC, maybe they've served, uh, maybe they were like me. I mean, I'm I'm not a veteran. I was just always interested in the connection between you know conflict and society. Yep. Might be those folks, you know, that are interested in going into a, a career that serves veterans. Whatever the case may be. This degree is going to allow them to sort of analyze human experience through the lens of military life and post-service experiences. And what they'll do with that is they'll take five core courses, things like Introduction to Veteran Studies, which Dr. McLeese is going to be teaching for us in the fall, Legendary Warriors of the Ancient Medieval Worlds, uh, selected topics so that we can be really topical if something comes up, uh, Native American Warriors and Veterans, and then a senior seminar. So they take those five core courses, but then they also choose eight elective courses uh, from a list, approved list. So those things might be like military psychology, uh, the role of military in the modern world, that sort of thing.
0: Man. I might have to become the latest St. Leo student. That, that sounds like some really
1: intriguing. We'll all be lying. Be I'll, let,
0: I'll let y'all smart people uh, do the <laughs> PhD program, but just, I, I love that well-roundedness is what I'm hearing uh, that make up the major. Um, okay. So I want to talk about impact. For a second, and I want to get all three. You know, Mary Kate, you got this hybrid role today. You're your co-host, but also I want to get your take on some of these things. So, um but I want to start with you, Luke. Let's talk about impact for a second. So, as a veteran, and even taking the veteran hat off, as an educator, as an academic professional, um, as a, as a community leader, you know, what speak to the impact you think this program will have.
3: Wow. The potential impact for this program, and honestly, not not because it's coming from us, i mean, it, really the outcome could potentially be enormous. And let me give you a few examples why. Number one, highlighting the attributes of veterans and that experience. And as you said before, Scott, you know, the individual kind of aspect of that experience. But just like what Mary Kate was talking about earlier, you know, showing that, hey, look, there are veterans that are getting doctoral degrees. There are veterans that are leading Fortune 500 companies. There are veterans that are leading their community in politics and volunteerism and all these things. And I, I think... That's one of those things, and Karen and I have talked about it a lot. The, the spectacle of the veteran has been left, as Mary Kate was saying, by me, the media and kind of just pop pop culture as, hey, you're a hero, or hey, you're broken. There's no in-between, right? And so sharing with everyone the in-between and the, the importance there is, can you imagine, can you imagine a politician Who is informed of the outcomes of military service before choosing to send troops somewhere? Can you imagine a VA worker who maybe never served in the military, and before I walk in the doors and I'm the first veteran they've ever met in their life, they would at least know about the experience, right? And have an idea of the good, the bad, the, you know, all the in between. Can you imagine? You know, um, public safety workers being informed in, in this major and, and knowing exactly when they meet this minority of veterans on the street, like what the experience is like past the Rambo movie, past a book, past, you know, a mixture of, of grandpa's stories. You know, I think the social implications of this ha- could be enormous.
0: Well said. You know. Luke mentioned all the imagine you know, imagine you this, imagine that, imagine that. You know, I, I imagine these 45,000 organizations and then some, because you've got those, those, those volunteer service organizations, but then you have all these organizations that hire veterans and, and or have veteran programs within, you know, a program like this could be a differentiator in terms of uh, effectiveness as you're speaking to Mary Kate, just awareness, you know, it, it, more informed leadership as part of these organizations and then these departments and initiatives. So, Uh, The impact, uh, Luke, uh, is going to be huge. Um, But Karen, I want to get your take, your take on the overall impact of this program.
2: I think anytime you can crack open a stereotype, you're on the right track. And so you're going to hopefully with this program here, and, and hopefully they will sweep, you know, we'll end up with lots of universities with these. We'll get rid of that just really flattened identity where it lists the veteran as a powder keg or somehow broken. And instead, you know, you get rid of that. You start saying that there's this, there's all these different people in here and they have all these skills and all these experiences. And instead of saying, Oh, you poor thing, you start to say, how can you, your skills make my organization stronger? Mm. Because man, they do have the skills. They have the experiences and I think too often that's just overlooked in favor of this kind of, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're fragile, right? Uh, and then in terms of, I mean, just interest, since 2017, 363 dissertations have been written on veteran issues. So, yeah, I mean, it's out there. And we just, this needed to happen. We needed a VA. And we really need an MA and a PhD out there.
0: <laughs> Love it. Hey, uh, hey, preach Love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask one more question, and then we're going to kind of start to wrap as, as Mary-Kate's going to talk about uh, transition and get y'all's take there, but um, I'm not sure how this works. Uh, I am not. Um, they barely let me into college, so they certainly aren't going to let me teach. Um, how, so if a company, you know, fortunately, as we've seen corporate America make some strides in the last decade or so, we're seeing real action behind hiring initiatives and other real support where, where companies are making investments. If, if a company listening would want to create a scholarship fund or uh, whatever, whatever that that's called to help students that may not can afford um, tuition and stuff, could they create those things and tie it to the veteran studies major?
2: Absolutely. Donors do that. Okay.
0: And they just reach out to to one of y'all.
2: Yeah, they can contact them. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wonderful. All right. Okay. So at Mary Kate, as much as I hate to leave that big news and, and we'll keep our finger on the pulse and, and as it continues to grow and evolve and develop, we'll get an update, but you know, veteran transit veterans and transitions a big topic here, right?
1: Oh yes. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about um, the veteran transition. Cause that is what I'm going through right now. I'm having a lived experience transitioning. I'm not retiring. I'm getting out and uh, at the halfway point. And so I really would love to hear your thoughts, Um, any important advice that you may have uh, Luke for our listeners tuning in today um, that you care to offer about the military transition.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I want, you know, I think this is vitally important is not to give the negative energy that so many people give to the word transition especially coming out of the military, because no matter if you do 4, 8, 12, 16, 20 years plus, there is a time in your career where you're going to undergo that transition, right? I mean, it's just going to happen. What we've done as a society is we've kind of over-fetishized this idea of transition that just because someone is leaving the military, like it has to be negative. It doesn't have to be negative at all right we can we can grow on our experiences we can add to our new experiences we can take those tools whether they're their hard skills or soft skills from the military and make them work in the civilian space the thing is you just have to be conscious about it and everything that goes wrong you can't say oh this is because i'm transitioning and you know no no civilian understands me you know i think I mean and and it definitely happens but you know what, what happens when you get in that situation you need to be like okay well I'm in a new space someone doesn't understand me what do I need to tell them so they understand me right what what, what do you what are your needs and then you can move past it but it's definitely don't don't give that word the negative connotation right don't overdo it
1: well that was me this morning what do you-
3: <laughs> right <laughs>
0: Or, or it will be a bad experience. You know, if you, if you, if you believe, if you, if you, if you allow your mind to wrap your head around that, it will be. And, and just like if you, you know, if you don't plan, you know, if you don't plan and 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 be proactive about it, chances are it could be right. much more challenging.
1: And take care of yourself, right? And, and include your families because your family's going through the transition too. And. I definitely wish I'd realized that, like day one. Really, your family is transitioning as well—your spouse, your kids. So include them in this in this process on this journey, and 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 don't be too hard on yourself because I've had some of those days. Um, but look at look at what's happening now. Exactly. I met Scott through my transition. Karen, Luke, I met them in the midst of my transition. It's incredible.
0: Hey, it's and it's right there. It's the art of the possible, right? Yes. So, Mary, I, I love that what you just shared there, Mary Kate. Uh, Karen, I want to get your take, too. Um, you know, what are what would you, how would you advise you know, veterans that are uh, entering their very positive, successful transition phases? What would be some advice for you?
2: You know, I'd give them the same advice that I give any of my students, which is reach out to your professors. We have office hours. We're in our offices, even if it's by Zoom and not in person. Go talk to them. And if you don't click with one of them, that's fine. Keep shopping, you know, talk to more of them, sit in their offices because you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't have to just come and say, I don't understand chapter 17. Just come and shoot the breeze with us and we'll help you in your journey. And that's so important. I, I had a student one time, I was pulling a B, she got, She finished my class with a D A year later, I ran across her and I said, what happened in there, by the way? And she said, oh, that was the semester my dad died. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) Work with us. Help us. Help us help you, (laughs) you know? So you have to have those conversations. Just stop by. You don't have to have a name. Just say hello and open that conversation and you find the support you need
0: you got to be bold. And if you don't ask the question, you know, the answer and and Mary Kate, you, you, you're kind of, uh, as you shared yourself in the front end of today's conversation, you're kind of illustrating that, right? You had naysayers, uh, you kind of had some mental assumptions or, or decisions that you made kind of based on some assumptions perhaps, but then you found you, know, you connected with Luke and it opened up that door and it kind of filled in that blind spot of, of, of clearly, yes, you can pursue your passion and, and, you know, can, can you imagine 10 years from now or five years from now you know that that was a that's a powerful connection and conversation to have had but what you going to do and and the difference you go going to make and need, and how far you move that needle all stemming to some degree to y'all's conversation that that's a wonderful story
1: yeah, Scott, if you if you knew what the bonus right now was to re-enlist you might look at me a little crazy too but I was, (laughs) but I really, it really helped uh, change the trajectory of my transition and realize that, okay, I'm not retiring. I know it's, you know, not that far to go, but it's, I really do feel this other calling that I can do greater work on the on the outside um and so this is kind of like a great segue too because I didn't even know about like the student veteran association so I was like even talking about that um with if Luke can give like a brief thing about the SVA but that was something that I wasn't familiar with that universities had so Luke I'm going to throw that one at you if you want to talk about that
3: Absolutely. So, when I took over this office, we had a small SBA chapter and we've grown it over the past almost two years. And uh, it's just an uh, excellent opportunity for student veterans to have leadership opportunities, for them to, you know, if they're coming from different majors, to come together and have a little bit of that camaraderie and, you know, same talk and all that stuff. Uh, So, it's a good social outlet. It can lead to to good physical outlets. You know, we've had a group of people who do PT together. You know, they're going and running and and taking care of themselves through the pandemic. And uh, then we're also going places, uh, SBA conferences, and then that leads to humongous networking opportunities. And we've had a lot of students who landed some nice internships and jobs as a result of that. Love that. So, Luke, you
1: told me there was running falls. <laughs> hey, no, I, now, running that involved.
3: that was that was that was a group of people. And they elected to do that.
1: Aaron, are you out there too? F- Zero five
3: hundred. <laughs> well, it sounds like <laughs> to me.
1: It's <laughs> It's Definitely, <laughs> Definitely not mandatory.
3: <laughs> Definitely might not mandatory. I w- I'm not a part of that either. <laughs>
0: So listeners, if you're a veteran in transition, planning transition, or if you're just, you know, you're already out and, and, and you're looking at educational opportunities, you name it. It sounds like these veteran, what, what, what'd y'all call it? VSA? Veteran? Um,
3: uh, SVA, Student Veterans of America.
0: Ah, uh, SVA. So it sounds like another great resource to add to your laundry list of things to check out and fill in that, that blind spot. Okay. So Eureka moments, one of our favorite questions around here, as we, Talked about pre-show. I don't know about y'all, but some of these days it feels like I'm having a eureka moment by the hour. Uh, other days a little bit easier, but we're all we're all fighting through this 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 crazy time this uh, that we've never experienced. If your parents, gosh, if you're like us, you 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 have to become um, remote teachers and, and technologists, and you got to be the IT team at home, which is, is crazy sometimes. But you're all you know, we're all fighting through to get into this post-pandemic. But along the way. We're learning a ton of things. And one of the silver linings here is is we're working towards a more resilient supply chain. Certainly, we're big big supply chain nerds here, more resilient society, hopefully a more resilient um, government, uh, amongst other things. And that's that's some of the silver linings as part of this journey. But Eureka moments, I want to start with you, Karen. So any Eureka moments that really came to mind that really um, maybe were more powerful than others for you lately?
2: You know, several years ago, I was walking through an airport and I saw a university. I don't remember the name. It's an advertisement. And it said they were veteran friendly. My husband and I were walking at the same time. We just kind of like went, hmm, veteran friendly. Mm. Like, what does that mean? You know, are there universities that tag themselves as not veteran (laughs) friendly? (laughs) And and it stuck in our minds. And when, you know, it occurred to me like, you know, it was a light bulb going off. It was a eureka moment. This degree, this changes the conversation from veteran-friendly to veteran-embracing. You know, it 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 really, it turns it from being a one-way street where you're sort of saving the veteran to a collaborative agreement where we learn together. And I thought, that's it. That's how you break through veteran-friendly. So to it means something.
0: There's value. There's not. a definition. I love that. Yeah, never. I've like, never stopped thinking about we, that. Do folks... As you said, to folks, advertise as, as being non veteran friendly as a differentiator. That, that's that's a great. Stay
1: out, get out. That's
0: right. Thank you very Keep much up. for sharing. I think that's important. it's important. So if your business it's leaders fine. listen to this podcast,
1: what is it? <laughs> it? Google, yeah, business leaders.
2: If you, if you, yeah, if you look for veteran friendly on Google, you get eight hundred sixty three thousand wow. results.
0: It's a it's a, it's a tidal wave <laughs> of like, of meaningless uh, term. There's no value, no definition there. So if you're a business leader listening to this conversation and you're using jargon like that, you know, you might want to call a timeout and get with your team and say, Hey, what does, what does this mean? How are we acting on this? Love that, uh, Karen. That is uh, worth the price of admission that and Ethios, what you shared on the front end. Yeah. MDOs,
1: um, yeah. So I love that. I, I saw you taking notes, Scott. <laughs> I, yeah, I was,
0: I I was I I started, planning, started so I'm, I'm writing in red ink now. But uh, regardless, Luke, <laughs> same question for you Eureka moments. What's been a powerful one for you lately?
3: So, uh, maybe not necessarily lately, but it, I will say this it took me a long time to get to this. And I think it applies uh, nicely to anyone's transition, not even only out of the military, but at any phase of life. That is, you absolutely can do, anyone can do anything, right? I firmly believe that. I have a growth mindset and I know I've seen it time and time again. You just have to start where you are.
0: I love that. Luke, you got me ready to run through this wall back behind me here. I'm telling you, Um, (laughs) there is abundance in the universe. There is abundance in the universe. And um, you said it very well there, Luke. Okay, Mary Kate, you're not getting out of this question. Uh, I bet you've got thousands of eureka moments, but what's been, uh, whether a, a current one or or one from a while back, what's been a powerful one for you?
1: The one that I immediately thought of right before we started, you had mentioned to Karen about how to address her because she wears many hats and has the different titles. And that was, I think, something that I was putting myself in a box. As someone um, on active duty, I was like, I'm a I'm a non-commissioned officer. I'm a staff sergeant. I, this is my, my box. This is my lane. I'm in PSYOP, psychological operations, and this is my lane. But to realize that I could volunteer for a veteran service organization and I can volunteer to combat human trafficking, which is a passion of mine, and I can be a Rotarian. I could do other things and still wear multiple hats. And so I, I think that that was a big Eureka moment for me that I had some colleagues from the outside looking in like Mary Kate you've been doing this but now you're just going to have more time you have the, the freedom of, of choice so I, we actually mm-hmm. um, I remember hearing one of my colleagues at, in my unit say one time that he's like we really don't have our first amendment right you know as a as an act of when you're in active duty you, know, right. you have to be very careful with what you say right. and you really can't uh, and, and especially when you're in uniform of what you can and cannot there's things you can and cannot say and so now that we, you're stepping out of that role, stepping out of uniform, and you, you do have that um, ability, as Luke said, to really chase after what you want to chase after. And uh, to despite the naysayers, because they will always be out there. But if anything, I'm trying to taint, turn that into let it fire you up and show them how it's done.
0: I love it. You don't have to any, get any commander to sign off on anything you want to do once you get out of <laughs> yes. uniform. Yeah, so that's right. So I mean,
1: where I can go, I can leave state. There you <laughs> <That's> go. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's
0: right. No a wall, uh, no leave, um, folks. This is. Uh, I really appreciate all of y'all's time here today. I know we've run over a little bit here, but uh, really appreciate that. Appreciate what you're doing. Most importantly, you know, you're changing. You're 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 no longer doing business as usual. Uh, you're changing the game, and that you know whether you're in supply chain or academia or just Anywhere, Any aspect of business, that is a really important thing to that leaders have to embrace. And that's what the innovators do. So I really admire what you are doing. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you in case they're interested in, in St. Leo or the program or or even Mary Kate, what you're, what you're doing. Let's start with uh, Dr. Karen Hanel. So, so how can folks connect with you, Karen?
2: You can reach me by email if you like. It's karen.hanel at stleo.edu. If you can't remember my name, I'm also at IDS. At Saint Leo, and we're on Twitter and LinkedIn and <laughs> Wonderful. Facebook. <all> the <laughs> and then you know,
0: we're going to make it easy. We're going to include uh, those links in the show notes. One click, and if you if you can't find oh, anything you're looking for, of uh, course, obligatory disclaimer. Reach out to our team here at Supply Chain Now and Veteran Voices. Okay, so Dr. Luke McLeese, how can folks connect with you?
3: Email as well, Ernest.McLeese at St. also military services at St. Leo.edu. Personal, LinkedIn, Dr. Ernest Luke McLeese Jr., Uh, and then Twitter, McLeese Luke. Uh, And I'm available. Through any of this, you can also do smoke signals and and, and clearly,
2: (laughs)
0: um,
1: compass to Tampa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and clearly, access I mean, it's proof in the pudding with what Mary Kate shared earlier easily accessible. I love that. And Mary Kate, last but certainly not least, how can folks connect with you?
1: LinkedIn, Mary-Kate Saliva, and I will say for those of you, I know a lot of us have clearances. I was terrified. to even put my last name out there, but I have to say, be your genuine self. The more you put out there about yourself, people want to connect with you, and now when people see things regarding anti-human trafficking, they send it my way because I built my brand. So as a service member, don't be afraid to be your authentic, genuine self and step out of that. But Scott, I really wanted to throw it at you because I, I feel like I missed the mark in asking about your lessons learned of your transition. What do you got for me? <laughs> what do you got for our listeners?
0: Well, <laughs> I'll tell we, you, um, <laughs> this this is one of the central themes of this whole conversation is, is when I look back, I wish I had embraced that. You know, I, th- I think all of us leave the service with a little bit of that chain of command, a little bit of that, you know. Do I need to ask permission? You know, you've got that. um, It's just this part of what is left over, you know, from wearing the uniform. And you know, once it dawns, once you have that day, that epiphany, that Eureka moment, that I can do whatever I want to do. Right? That's why we're here. I think the sooner you can embrace that, some folks embrace that early in life. Other folks are, are, you know, late bloomers. Nothing wrong with that. And we're all on our our own schedule and cadence and timing. But Life changes when you embrace that you can do exactly whatever you want to do, and and it is inspiring to me to hear this conversation. Kate, you know how you had that eureka moment that you shared earlier, and now you're pursuing your passion. That is is a huge lesson learned for me. So, hopefully, anyone listening to this, if you haven't already had that day of reckoning and and empowering, and and when that really dawns on you and you you take control of your destiny, hopefully you have it soon. And if not. If you can't find it, reach out to this incredible panel here. Reach out to Karen or Luke or Mary Kate. So,
1: you're not alone. That's what I'm going to say. You are not alone in this space. Well said. You're not alone. Well
0: said. So, on that note, huge thanks to our panel here Dr. Karen Hannell, Chair of Department of Interdisciplinary Studies at St. Leo University, and our colleague, Dr. Luke McLeese, Director of Military Affairs and Services, and also co creator of the Veteran Studies major. And then, of course, my esteemed co-host, park co-host, part guest today, uh, but loved your uh, take here today, Mary-Kate Saliva. Mm-hmm. Best of luck as you pursue what's next for you and become Dr. Mary-Kate Saliva down the road a little bit, right?
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> so stay <laughs> tuned. All right, folks, hopefully you enjoy this conversation as much as I have really enjoyed uh, the transparent, frank, and real conversation we've had tons of best practices. On behalf of our entire team here at Veteran Voices, hey, we're wishing you nothing but the best as you continue to work down your journey. Find us across social media. Make sure you find us and subscribe so you don't miss future conversations just like this one. But most importantly, if you're anything here today, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.